0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to NewLifeXN.org. Well, good morning. I and mean, it's it's really just been that was just awesome worship, wasn't it? Man, that, wow, that's just great. Hey, uh, today's the last day of our series, Wise and Careful Living. We've been in this series for seven weeks, and today's the last day, and I'm very, very excited about this message. I think it's going to be a great and very powerful message, but before we dive into the message today, I want to introduce you to somebody very important. I'm going to ask Pastor Jane to come on up here. Uh, this is Pastor Jane right here. Everybody say hi to Pastor Jane. Hi, Pastor, Jane. Pastor Jane. is our brand new Just come on staff this week, pastoral care pastor, and so we're really excited to have her here with us. Pastor Jane's uh, full-time here at New Life, and what she'll be doing is coordinating and overseeing uh, the care ministries, so just things that are going to be helping all of us to grow together and to um, be cared for. And so I'm really, really excited about that. She'll be overseeing some of the prayer ministries and things like that as well. It's going to be a a great opportunity. But I think probably cooler than that is the fact that Pastor Jane is also my mother. So so that's awesome. (laughs) So I... I think we'll be serving together for quite a while, and last night I said, till you retire or die, so that's a pretty awesome thing that she said, you might be burying me here, so <laughs> that'd be kind of new, so thanks, Mom. So that's a really exciting and awesome thing to be celebrating together. Well, this series has just been very, very powerful and very good, and uh, what we've learned through this series is that wise people follow a pattern of, certain pattern of belief and behavior that maximizes their life while fools simply waste their lives. And each one of these messages has built on the one before it and it's just been so good that we took Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 21 and we spent one week on each verse. And if you missed a week, I want to encourage you to hop online to newlifexn.org and watch the videos because it's just so amazing, practical and helpful ways that we live out the faith that God has given to us. And the way that we are lights to the world in living wise and careful lives. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did a message on right worship. And I want to just mention something briefly about that message because I shared that message. And in that message, I I focused on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, which says, Sing uh, hymns, songs, and spiritual songs among yourselves. Um, and make music to the Lord in your hearts. And we talked about what is the right way to worship, and we broke it down into two sections. The first section was we have to determine who or what deserves our worship, and the second section was how do we worship, how does the Bible say is the right way to express our worship. And in the first section, the question who or what deserves our worship, I made a very important statement that I want to clarify maybe a little bit further, and here's what it said. It said, we all worship something or someone. We serve what we worship. In fact, the best way to know what, you, what or who you worship is to examine on what or whom you spend most of your time, money, and energy. Now, during the week, that week, after I made that statement in the message, somebody came into my office. They were here serving in the building, and they popped their head in and, and made a, a joking statement. And they said, you know... I realized after you said, you know, what do I spend my time, my money, my energy on? I spend an awful lot of time, money, and energy on buying food at the store and bringing it home and preparing it for my family, you know? And we laughed together because it's kind of funny. It's true. I mean, my mom and dad had eight kids, so I totally understand that. And and then she said this, do you think that's a God in my life? And uh, we still laughed and kind of, you know, left it at that. But nonetheless, it got me thinking because I think we need to clarify it. Just a little bit more. In fact, it kind of begs the question, does the pursuit of something like providing for a family, which requires a lot of time, money, and energy, become an object of worship in our life? And my answer to that question, I believe biblically, is no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now remember, that week we talked about what worship was, and I gave this definition The worship is the adoration or devotion comparable to religious homage shown toward a person, principle, or thing. So in order to help us understand maybe what we are worshiping in our life that might not be Jesus, it might not be God, in order to answer that question that I made before, I wanted to add just one word based on that definition. And here's the statement. The best way to know what or who we worship is to examine on what or whom we spend the most time. Money, energy, and affection. Because whatever we are casting our affection on or whatever we are spending our affection on is what is capturing or captivating our hearts. And so when we think about it in that way, we can probably think of something in our life that's capturing the attention of our hearts that probably isn't Jesus. And that is what we worship because we're expending resource on it, and we are worshiping it in our heart. So whatever that object is, it shouldn't be worship. Right worship is knowing who or what deserves worship, and who that who is Jesus. And the what is also Jesus. Jesus is the only one who deserves our worship. And uh, so you can catch the rest of that message, but I thought I would just clarify that a little bit further, because I think it needed a little bit of Clarification. So today, we're going to jump into Ephesians 5, and we're going to read all of 15 through 21, but we're going to come back to verse 21 and focus on that today. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it out and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It's in the right half section of your Bible. And uh, Ephesians 5, verse 15, if you don't have a Bible but you have a phone, iPad, or iPad Mini, whatever, uh, any Droid device, you can download your favorite YouVersion app or Bible app and open up and navigate to Ephesians 5. And I would encourage you to read along with us. It'll be on the screen as well. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Here's what it says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to everything, for everything, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love your word. God, it is a light and a lamp unto our path. It is useful for teaching us and correcting us, rebuking us and training us in righteousness that we might experience the life that you have for us here and now and forever. And so today, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will shine light in our hearts that will show us the truth of your word. God, I thank you that we have it and that we can study it together. And I pray you would teach us and change us and transform us now through the hearing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So our focus verse today is Ephesians 5:21 says this and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, our take-home point is is very clear. The wise put others before themselves and fools always put themselves first. Now, today we're going to be focusing on something that all of us experience and that is relationships with other people. Right? We all have relationships with other people, don't we? And a lot of times, those relationships get screwed up pretty bad. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they're okay. But we all deal with relationships. And today, what we're going to see is that that Paul, when he was writing Ephesians 5.21, had a specific way in mind for us to have our relationships with each other. So there's a specific way we're to live that out together. And Paul made it clear, and in fact, the the message title today comes from a deep conviction that, which we'll see through the message, we need to, in fact, go low in order to have wise, God-centered relationships. In fact, when we're done with this message today, we're going to learn how to develop and sustain good, God-centered, wise relationships, and it comes when we have a deep, all-satisfying relationship with God. That's what we experience in our personal relationships with other people when we focus on God first. Now, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians 5:21, also wrote another book. In that same year, he wrote Ephesians. He wrote this book. We call it a book. It was actually a letter to the church in Philippi, and we call it Philippians, the book of Philippians. And he wrote kind of the same thing, but he went a little bit deeper. Than what he did here in Ephesians 5:21, and I think he explains how we live, how we live out Ephesians 5:21 together. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 4 through 8. So, I want to encourage you to flip over there. It's the next book. You can go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, chapter 2. We're going to look in verse 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. And I believe God's going to show us how we have good relationships with each other through this passage. Here's what it says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, I believe that Paul clearly makes clear in this passage how we live out Ephesians 5.21. Remember, Ephesians 5.21 says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think Paul makes really clear here in the first part of Philippians chapter 2 that if we want to have wise, God-centered relationships, then we can't have a me-centered relationship. We have to have others-centered relationship. And that's what Paul kind of says here in verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So here's the first step to having a God-centered, good, wise relationship. In fact, I would encourage you to take notes today because this is really important if you want to have good relationships in your life. The first thing we have to do is give attention to others intentionally. Give attention to others intentionally. Give attention to others intentionally. That's, that's not easy for us because we naturally want to give attention to ourselves, right? And we want other people to give attention to us. That's what we want in our lives, isn't it? By nature, we want that. It's not easy for us to freely give attention to other people just because, you know, God told us to. I mean, sometimes that's good motivation. A lot of times it's not, We have to learn how to give attention to others intentionally. That's why the word intentionally is there. In fact, Jesus knew that this was going to be an issue, and when he was asked one time, hey, Jesus, what is the most important commandment that God ever gave human beings? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You see, Jesus knew something about us when he gave his answer there. He knew that we all struggled with one thing. Now, we all struggle with several things, but he knew that everybody struggled with this one very important thing, and that thing is known as selfishness. Now, selfishness is a side effect of sin, When Adam and Eve, who were the first people God ever created, decided that they weren't going to obey God, they broke God's law and they sinned. And when they sinned, that sin was then transferred to us. And so when we are born, we're born into a sinful nature. And a side effect of that sinful nature is selfishness. Selfishness. In fact, it was the one thing that caused Adam and Eve to eat the fruit in the garden. They were deceived by Satan, but they wanted to be like God. They were being selfish. They wanted what They wanted what God had. They wanted to be God. And so they decided to sin against God. So sin comes as a result, or I'm sorry, selfishness comes as a result of sin. And Jesus knew that. And so that's why he said, first of all, you've got to get this relationship with God right. That's got to be the first thing. And then when you deal with other people, you have to deal with other people the way that you deal with yourself. You see, what Jesus did is he took something we understand very clearly, and he applied it to something that we don't understand very well. Right? We understand how to love ourselves, don't we? We understand how to love ourselves, right? Don't we eat? Don't we have shelter? Don't we find friends to support us and encourage us? Don't we take care of, of the things that we want in our lives, the things that even we need? We take care of ourselves. And Jesus, what he says is listen, the way that you love yourself there, you need to also love other people, those around you, your neighbor. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, well then, who is your neighbor? And <laughs> the answer is pretty easy, anybody that you're around, okay? Anybody that you're around. Those are the per- people that you're supposed to love the way that you and I love ourselves. You see, Jesus knew that that was going to be really hard, right? We have to love God with everything that we are, and as a result of that relationship, it will overflow into our other relationships, the way that we love ourselves, we need to also love others. So the first part is to give attention to others intentionally. Then the second part, the way that we do that is by obtaining and maintaining the attitude of Jesus. This is the only way we will ever give attention to, other, to others intentionally, is if we obtain and maintain the attitude of Jesus. Look what the Apostle Paul said. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So, so how do we get Jesus' attitude? Because Jesus, Jesus gave it all up to come here, to be one of us, to die for us. How do we get that attitude into our lives? And I believe that Jesus gives us the clearest answer to that question. He said this in John chapter 15, verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You see, if we want to be putting others first daily and intentionally, we have to spend time with Jesus because it won't be easy for us. It won't be natural for us to want to give attention to others intentionally. And the only way that we can do that daily is by spending time with Jesus and having him remind us that we need to bless other people, that we are agents of blessing to other people. So if we, uh, if we want to give up or give attention to others intentionally by obtaining and maintaining the attitude of Jesus, we do that with number three, step number three, by living like Jesus The apostle Paul said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. You see, if we want to give attention to others intentionally by obtaining and maintaining the the attitude of Jesus, we have to do it the way Jesus did it. How did Jesus do it? Well, Jesus went low. Jesus went low. He went the lowest any person could ever go. In order to serve us, Jesus was God. He had all the perks of being God. He had heaven. He could go anywhere he wanted to go. And he gave all of that up and came down to earth, was born of a virgin, and he was made, he was was given into a human body. And you see what Paul says? He uses a very important word here. He says, He took the humble position of a slave. How do we serve others? We serve them by kind of acting like slaves for them, right? We don't like that, right? We want people to act like slaves for us. We don't want to act like slaves for other people. But what did Jesus do for us? He took the humble position of a slave to serve us. That's what Jesus did, and that's the way we need to do it. Jesus went low. We also Need to go low. You see, Jesus came here and lived a life we couldn't live, and He died an excruciating death on the cross for us. And I believe Paul wrote these words down so that we would understand how we are to live out our daily relationships with each other by going low. Because Jesus calls us to live the same as Him. So giving attention to others intentionally by obtaining and maintaining the attitude of Jesus through living like Jesus, comes as we live in obedience to him. That's step number four. Obey Jesus. Here's what the apostle Paul said. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. So obey Jesus. Obey Jesus. Obeying Jesus means that we actually do what he said to do, just as he did, as he was told by his father. So we're actually following Jesus in his obedience we're, we're following him, and, and this is so powerful and important for us because Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, it's, it's interesting here that obedience is linked to joy, isn't it? Because when we think of obedience, oftentimes we think of earthly discipline, right? I, I have three kids, and I tell them all the time, listen, stop doing that. Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. That's stupid. Don't do that. Don't touch this, okay? How many times have I told you that? Knock it off, right? And, and I expect them to obey because I'm their father, and I'm giving them discipline. And you see, that's, that's all well and good, and that, you know, I want them to obey, and I want them to listen, but I do it because I care for them. But you see, sometimes in our lives that gets screwed up because of sin. And so we think that obedience is kind of this hard, you know, nasty thing that we have to endure if we want to get something. But obedience in the kingdom of God actually leads to blessing. Jesus said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have remained in my Father's love. And the result of that is your joy will overflow because when we obey Jesus, Jesus fills us up. And here's the key part, and this is how this connects to all our other relationships, because when we obey Jesus, when we get in line with him, he fills us up with joy so much that we overflow to everybody else. You see how that works? Jesus fills us up, and then it overflows into all of our other relationships. So obeying Jesus and living like Jesus actually blesses other people because God works through us to bless others. That's so important. And it's interesting to me that Jesus actually spent a lot of time teaching us how to bless other people and how to act rightly against one another and to one another. In fact, his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you can read about that. In that that passage of scripture where he is giving this most famous sermon, he actually spends a lot of time not talking about our relationship with God, but our relationship with other people. He talks about divorce. He talks about anger. He talks about judging. He talks about lust. He talks about making vows. He talks about a lot of things. And you see, because he's concerned with how we deal with each other. And so when we obey him in those ways, we will actually be acting rightly, rightly, towards each other, and we will be blessing each other through that. So we have to obey Jesus. And then the last step is this. If we want to experience wise, God-centered relationships, here it is. We need to worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Okay, now, here's the thing. You can't have God-centered relationships, and I can't have God-centered relationships if Jesus isn't at the center, right? Right? So none of this actually makes sense unless we get this part right first. And I realized I probably should have put this at the beginning, but I intentionally put it at the end because I believe that there are some of us here today who for the very first time need to make this decision that our relationships in our life are just jacked up. They're screwed up. They're messed up. And it's because our relationship with God is either non-existent or very bad. You see, we have to worship God. Jesus first that's where it starts if we want to have wise God centered relationships and so this morning I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision and a commitment because here's what Paul said and and died a criminal's death on a cross you see Jesus gave it all up came here as a human being lived a perfect life for us. Died on the cross for us. Was raised back to life three days later for us. Overcame sin and death forever for us. Offers us his life in exchange for ours. And 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's where God-centered relationships start. When we get this right, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with everything that you are, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, and with your strength. And once you get that right, and once you start living like Jesus and obeying Jesus, he'll fill you up and joy will pour out into all your other relationships. And instead of struggling, you'll be blessing. Blessing. So today, if for the first time you wanna say yes to Jesus, yes, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that God raised you back to life. I believe that you now give me your life and I accept it freely by believing in you. If that's you today, I wanna to pray with you right now. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, everyone, bow your heads, and I just wanna pray for you. And then I wanna pray for everybody else who maybe has trusted Jesus, but maybe lost their focus on him. Maybe we're worshiping something else instead of him. Jesus said, I have told you these things that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. If you want that today, right now, I wanna pray for you to trust Jesus for the first time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come into this place and call people to yourself if you'd like to pray right now to accept Jesus I I want you to repeat after me in your heart you don't have to say this out loud just in your heart Lord Jesus I trust you I believe that you came here lived a perfect sinless life for me you died on the cross for me God raised you back to life three days later and I trust you that you are giving me your life as I believe in you that you are taking my sinful life away and giving me your perfect life that I might be restored back into a perfect relationship with you God I believe that I trust you and I praise you for what you're doing in Jesus name Now, for those of you who need to make Jesus the center of your life, again, I want to pray for you right now. Maybe stuff just comes up in our life and we get off focus. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for all of us that we will all love you with everything that we are. And that as a result of that love, your joy, your blessing will overflow. Into all of our relationships. God, I pray that you would teach us how to love other people well by giving attention intentionally, by obtaining and maintaining your attitude, by living like you through obedience, and just living a life of worship. Lord, would you teach us how to do that? Father, we love you and we praise you that now you are our friend, and that we can bless other people and call them our friends as well. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Proverbs in the Bible says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus himself said, I no longer call you servants, because servants, a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. So if you have trusted Jesus today, I want you to know something. If you've trusted Jesus at any point in your life, you need to know this. God is your friend. He doesn't want to smash you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He is your friend. And because he's your friend, he can teach us and pour through us to be good friends to other people. That's what this message was all about. Wise, God-centered relationships come from an all-satisfying, all-consuming relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. We become agents of grace and blessing. In fact, if you wrote down all of those points, there were five of them. If you wrote them all down, the first letter of each one of the points spells, go low. Go low. Because Jesus went low. When you don't feel like going low, go low. When it doesn't feel good, when it hurts, when it's going to cost us, go low. Bless other people. Go low for them. Build them up. Lift them up. And let God build you up and lift you up as you do that. Here's the commitment for today. I will go low at every opportunity God gives me this week. When we seek to go low, the world will notice. People will say, man, there's, wow, do you see what they're, they're giving sacrificially to help this person? Man, they, they must really love them. i got to figure out what that's about. See, the world doesn't understand it the way we understand it. We go low because Jesus went low. We don't go low for ourselves. We go low to glorify God. In our own natural state, we seek our own pleasure and glory, but Jesus teaches us to seek God's pleasure and glory. So let us do that this week.